Hey, you're listening to Cut for Time, a podcast from Faith Church located on the north side of Indianapolis. My name is Claire Kingsley. Each week, I'll sit down with one of our preaching pastors to discuss their Sunday sermon. Cut for Time is a look behind the scenes of sermon preparation, and they'll share with us a few things that we didn't hear from the sermon on Sunday. Thanks for listening. Hey, so um, we have special cut for time this time because we are joined with Jeff, as you anticipated being the preaching pastor from Sunday, but also we have Carl, um, because we have a question that somebody texted in that um, Carl's the best person to answer. So we're just excited to have something like change it up a little bit. So Carl, welcome to your first cut for time podcast. Hey, thanks. Yeah. Um, And Jeff, we're going to just have you start with giving us your recap from Sunday, like preaching through Lamentations 2, and then um, we'll get to some questions that people had. Yeah. So uh, we went through this whole chapter of Lamentations 2, where um, it's really almost sort of an intensification of where the uh, author started in chapter one. And it's this exploration of really the, the whole extent of the devastation that the people of Israel and the city of Jerusalem have experienced. And uh, we really talked about the the big idea being that uh, we're we're left at the end of chapter one. Where where is there any hope? Where is there any comfort? And we start to get a hint of an answer to that uh, in chapter two where we see that uh, the only way we really find hope or comfort is by really surveying the wreckage and turning to the one who's brought the wrecking to us. So we sort of explored that through all the grief and anguish that the narrator and Lady Jerusalem have experienced. Um, But then there's this exhortation in verses 18 and 19 to cry out to the Lord and cry out, pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. Uh, And so we said it's this irony that uh, the one who has wrecked us is the one that we turn to, to find comfort and hope. Because if God is in control and if he's behind whatever has happened to us in some way, he's the one we need to turn to. Okay, I have so many follow-up questions, but before we get to that, um, Carl, you've been like really intentional about how you choose music, knowing what we've been, we're going to be walking through as a church body during this Lamentation series. And so you've decided to introduce a new, a few new songs, both for first service and for second service. And to help, um, help that process for our body, you created this playlist that we can listen to, to like kind of worship outside of a Sunday, Sunday morning. Um, But somebody texted in and just asked, can you kind of give us just like the theology behind the song that we've been singing in second service called New Wine? Can you explain it um, so that we have a better understanding of like when we worship and when we sing these words, this is what we're expressing or this is what we're praying. Um, And uh, I guess like, how'd you come to choose this as one of these, like the new anthems for our Lenten series? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and there's a lot of different pieces to it. And Jeff, I'd love to invite you to hop in with any thoughts that you have as we walk through this. But um, I really think the heart of the song is found in the chorus where it says, make me your vessel, make me an offering and make me whatever you want me to be. And I love this because I really think it's the heart of this Lamentation series. Um, 
that God would use our lament, that he would use our suffering to really uh, to change our lives and make us more um, what he would have us be. And so the, the Course is referencing uh, Jesus' teaching in Mark 2, where it says, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and the new wine is lost as well as the skins. No, new wine is put into fresh wineskins. And the heart of the song is that we would not be like those old wineskins, but that we would allow Jesus to transform us through our suffering. And so, um, yeah, that's the chorus. Jeff, do you have any thoughts or anything to add to that? Um, no, I I agree with that. I think it's, yeah, it's very, it aligns really well with what we're trying to see in this lamentation series. Um, I was also thinking too of, uh, in John 15, where Jesus talks ab about saying, I am the vine and you are the branches and whoever abides in me bears much fruit. Mm -hmm. And I, I always and maybe naturally kind of thought of that of, yeah, of course, it's like grapes on the vine, but the grapes don't just stay on the vine. And what this song is bringing out, I, th you know, for me, the, that verse in the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine. And I just think, boy, that not only fits so well with this Lamentation series, but that image of our abiding in Jesus, even as he's bringing crushing and pressing into our lives mm -hmm. is what brings new life out of us in the middle of the crushing and the pressing. Uh, so I just, uh, I don't, I mean, none of us likes that experientially, but it, but it's such a hopeful thought in the middle of uh, the hard things that we're going through that abiding in Jesus, even as we're being crushed and pressed in some way is the place where God can bring something new and bring new life out of the, the brokenness and the sorrow that we're going through. Yeah, I think there's such an encouragement there in that there's intentionality. It's not like mm. there's just random crushing, random mm. pressing. Mm. It's it's a highly intentional process. And there's also an invitation there um, mm. for us to allow the Holy Spirit to do its work in us in that season. Um, so, yeah, I'm encouraged by that. It's very intentional crushing and pressing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it also reminds me, um, like, in order for us to be saved like Christ had to be crushed he was crushed mm. for our iniquity and so we also like we are told that we will have like trial and pain and um like we also get to identify with Christ or Christ identifies with us in that process and so like we're not alone in the in the crushing because he mm. like relates to us in that way you know yeah, that's really good. Wow, um, man, that really that makes me think of uh, like Galatians, where Paul talks about you know it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, and uh, going on to talk about you know I I want to know Christ and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings, um, mm -hmm. which is man, that's like and nobody cross stitches that as mm -hmm. like a promise from the Lord, right? Like, mm -hmm. man, this is really what I pray. I pray that I could share in the fellowship of Christ's sufferings, but that's exactly what you're talking about. And that is the path of discipleship to Jesus. Yeah. yeah a few years ago, um, Nathan and I went on a, a pastor's retreat, like a, it's a 
it's every November. It's meant for youth pastors and their wives. Um, and so actually this is the first time I ever heard the song new wine. And, um, I, I remember as people were singing it, other people were like crying and they were so emotional about it. And me never hearing it before, I'm like, what is this? Why are we singing? I just didn't get it truthfully. And I remember talking to Nathan about it afterwards and I was like, can you explain this to me? So like a lot of the similar conversation we're having now, I just didn't get it. And then um, in years since, like, I think um, I probably listened to it. I'm not kidding you guys in the last two years, probably once a day, because I do think I have felt I've been in a season of like crushing and pressing. And so like mm -hmm. when I sing the song, I am asking and praying for it to um, not be wasted. And like saying mm -hmm. like, I'm feeling it. I actually feel it on a regular basis. And I'm trusting that in this crushing and pressing, the outcome of new power or new freedom, like I'm trusting mm -hmm. it will be there. Um, hmm. And so anyways, I am so thrilled to be able to like corporately worship with this song mm. because it's been something that I've been using to worship for a few years now and so seeing it in the lineup was like really exciting for me but that's just like my own personal relation with relationship with the song I love that and I love that that's been ministering to you for years and that we get to sing it corporately corporately together now it's awesome mm. yeah yeah Carl, um, like, how did you come across the song? Have you known it for a long time? And then, like, when you introduce a new song to our church, do you feel like a big weight or responsibility in saying, I think this is valuable for the whole body? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I came across it a couple of years ago when it, when it came out. And um, I ran across it again as we were going into the series. Um, Pastor Joey actually brought it up as a suggestion um, okay. for a song that we could sing because I think it really does offer great language for this Lamentation series. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of just new songs and onboarding them, it is a wait to try to figure out which songs are really good for our congregation right now and what language we need in worship. Um, I think, you know, there's only so many songs that we can introduce each year and there's so many options that we could go with and so i feel like every time that we do introduce a new song it's like oh maybe that's one of the 12 that we might introduce this year and so yeah. um yeah every time we do there's just a lot of intentionality there but yeah. yeah i know there is intentionality on your part and on the pastor's part and so um i think my hope for this purpose of this part of the podcast is for people to just see the background of it like see that intentionality and see how you go about um bringing this to our church to help give us language to things that maybe we've not expressed in worship before or is new to us so i thought you chose them based on who is giving you royalty money back for performance well you know the kickbacks are always nice oh, but sweet yeah actually so i have I have a whole list of songs uh, and it's funny because this this one was on the list of songs that we filtered through. So I have a list of maybe like 20 songs and people are always giving great recommendations of songs that they found um, and sharing those. And I always like getting those. I'm just curious. Do you like getting those? I love getting the recommendations from folks because that tells me what's ministering to them right now. And sometimes that's really different than what I would naturally turn on when I'm driving to work, you know? Um, and so it's good to be able to hear um, what people are listening to and what's encouraging them. Um, it's it's really cool when we come into series like this one 
um, being able to go through that list and pick some songs that we've thought about introducing before mm. and being like, oh, this is the season. Mm. This is the time yeah. that our church yeah. needs this song. Yes. Um, I even think about this weekend in traditional service, we're introducing the song Living Hope. And mm. I'm so encouraged that we can offer that language of Jesus as our living hope in this season. Because honestly, this series is heavy. Mm. And we're trying yeah. to process through what does it look like to still have some hope. And I think mm. New Wine obviously gives us that and knowing that it's not wasted. But um, yeah, I'm excited to be able to introduce that song in first hour. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're looking forward to it. Thanks so much for your time, Carl. Yep. All right, so Jeff, let's get back to talking about your sermon on Sunday. Yeah. Okay, so one of my questions um, that I didn't ask Joey from last week, but I think is still yeah. suitable for this week, based off of um, chapter one, verse nine, it says, oh Lord, behold my affliction for the enemy has triumphed. And the mm. same one who crushes and presses is the one who heals. But where in this destruction mm. is like, what is Satan's role? Because clearly mm. he would delight <laughs> in this. He would delight in destruction Oof, yeah, that's uh, well, I'm glad you're giving me the easy questions, Claire. Uh, yeah, I so I think probably uh, actually in verse nine and ten of chapter one, where it's in throughout, where it's talking about the enemy. Yeah, um, it is probably more specifically talking about Babylon. Um, mm-hmm. And and yes, we can say behind Babylon stands the desires and the will of the ultimate enemy, the evil one. Uh, but certainly in this case, uh, I think the I think the author is talking about the invading armies who mm. have triumphed. They're the the enemies of the people of God who have actually invaded and broken down the walls and you know ruined the temple and carried people off into captivity and and all that went with it. Uh, so, but your question still stands, you know. But how does God stand behind that? And and I think that's where. There, there's maybe a two-part answer, and I'll try and do it quickly. Uh, on the one hand, as I think Joey pointed out in chapter one, we are not national Israel. We are not yeah. the Old Testament covenant people of God who were in this special relationship with him by which he warned them and promised them, if you obey, there will be blessings and prosperity and security and good things will happen. If you turn your backs on me and reject me, I'm telling you, you're going to suffer the consequences of your rejection and your rebellion. And mm-hmm. here's what that's going to look like. And God kept warning and warning patiently, calling them back to himself. And they continued to reject until finally God allows and works through the, the violence and the evil of this, the, you know, the Assyrians and the Babylonians to, to bring his righteous judgment on these covenant breakers. Mm-hmm. For us, we know that I mean, America is not Israel and we're not the, you know, the covenant people of God in that sense. Jesus is now the covenant, uh, the, the faithful covenant partner with the father on our behalf. Mm-hmm. So that, evil, destruction, sorrow, pain that comes into our lives is not because we have broken covenant with God. 
Jesus has taken all of that judgment on himself. Ultimately, because none of us were able to keep the covenant with God. And and that's that's kind of the whole point uh, is that we need a savior to save us even from our inability to be faithful covenant partners with God. And so God stands kind of uniquely behind this judgment on these people because of this special covenant relationship that he had with them in which they had promised, yes, we will obey and yes, we will be faithful and yes, we will only love and serve you, Yahweh, and brought on themselves the natural consequence of rejecting him. Mm-hmm. So the larger question, though, that I think you're asking is about um, evil that comes into our lives. And does God stand behind that? Um, that's where there's oh, man, this big, complicated mystery of how God's will is worked out in the middle of things that in some ways seem to be almost, we would say, against his character. We we know that he's not judging us in the way that he would was judging his unfaithful covenant people in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Um what you're what you're the question, the really good question that you're raising gets a little to um what the the kind of the hinge point the center of this whole book in the middle of chapter three that we're going to get to this coming Sunday mm. uh, and this beautiful beautiful picture of the Lord um for example in chapter three verse 31 to 33 the Lord will not cast off forever though he cause grief he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love for he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. So there's this picture that affliction and sorrow and brokenness comes into our lives, but it's not out of God's heart and who he fundamentally is towards us that we suffer brokenness and sorrow in this life and in this world. Um, you know, I think I, I mentioned um and and I'm sure Joey did uh, the week before, sometimes our suffering and sorrow and brokenness is a result of our own sinful choices. Mm -hmm. That's not God's judgment. Um, You know, if I speed and I get a speeding ticket, I can't blame God for that. If I, uh, you know, experience brokenness that comes from really poor choices that I make in my life, that's not God's fault. Sometimes I suffer, sometimes we suffer that, the result of other people's bad choices and sinful choices and evil intent. And, and then we have the question of, well, why didn't, you know, why did God allow that? Why didn't he stop it? Which is a very real question to wrestle with. And yet um, I, I don't want God to stop me from doing what I want to do. Right. I, I want him to stop other people from doing what they want to do. But of course I never want him to stop me from doing what I want to do. Well, God has created us in a way that reflecting his image means we make moral choices that have significance yeah. and, and our choices matter. And sometimes we suffer and maybe it's even hard to figure out exactly why and how in the whole chain of things. But sometimes we suffer because of the evil, selfish, sinful choices of other people. And that means sometimes other people suffer because of my 
selfish, sinful choices. And sometimes we suffer because we live in a world that's been broken and corrupted by our very first parents' sinful choices. That Mm -hmm. This world does not work the way it was meant to work. There was never supposed to be cancer. There was never supposed to be you know, all the, all the evils that afflict us just because of living in a a creation that's in bondage to decay and longs to be rescued. Um, so uh, that that's not exactly, I mean, that's a, it's a, a lot of talking and maybe not a nice, quick, easy answer for it. Um, but I think we would say God does not stand behind the evil that we experience in the way that he did with his judgment that he brought on his unfaithful covenant people in the old Testament. Mm -hmm. And there's still the mystery of, you know, that we're going to wrestle with understandably of what, but why does this, why couldn't God have intervened? Why didn't he stop that thing? Um, but we're told and encouraged to hold on to the promise that he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men uh, because of the abundance of his steadfast love. And so we're encouraged to remember and hold on to the truth that our relationship with God is one of his steadfast love and abundance of kindness and compassion, even when it doesn't look like it and and that can be hard for us at times yeah I appreciate that I think that that um that makes sense also um even the the answer even even the answer that you gave is difficult um to as for any Christian to just accept right like I'm just not God and um there are aspects of God's character that are um holy and just but sometimes hard to wrap your head around Mm. i'm just curious like have you ever shared the gospel or even just like had a talk with someone on the topic of faith and they've expressed something along the lines of like i can't uh put my faith in the god that has done this or has you know like who did the flood or who did blah 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 allowed this and they are it's true like those are true i've personally had that conversation with someone just being like i can't i can't put my faith in that god you know like have you ever had that conversation with somebody and then what would you what would you say yeah um well, you know, uh, uh, man, there's so many, so many directions this can go. You know, on the one hand, I think sometimes people trot out kind of the problem of evil as a, a way to not really wrestle with the challenge of the gospel and the call to trust Jesus. Um, for some people, it's a very genuine question and a, a very real struggle. And so, um, I, I think, you know, we want to handle that carefully, respectfully, uh, humbly, uh, and, and not, you know, be, be very cautious that we're not like rushing to either give quick 
simplistic answers uh and we're recognizing that as we respond we're being invited into a place of real pain and sorrow for someone and so we should tread carefully and lightly um and uh yeah i think in that um we can acknowledge that there's a real brokenness and wrongness to this creation and what it's become that doesn't reflect what God intended it to be, and that we have in Jesus a God and a Savior who has actually stepped into the brokenness and taken loneliness and pain and sorrow and suffering, even unjust suffering, uh, and profound agony on himself um that we have a jesus who not only weeps at the graveside of his friend lazarus even knowing that resurrection is going to come but we see a savior who enters into the grief and the sorrow of this world and experiences it in this in the ways that we do but even more than that is the one person who has suffered totally unjust pain sorrow rejection abandonment grief loss um abuse uh all of it uh, jesus was one, one person pointed out that we don't we don't picture the crucifixion as it actually was out of sort of respect and um propriety uh but jesus was literally stripped naked when he hung on the cross and was hung up there to be mocked and laughed at so jesus knows to say we we have a god and a savior who has stepped into the brokenness of the world that is broken because of our sin and has walked through all of it with us to sympathize with us and, and to know what it is that we're experiencing and to ultimately offer us the hope that our suffering is not meaningless, it's not unknown, it's not unseen by God, and that God knows our sorrows and bury, bears them and and walks through it with us in the in the hope that, God could actually, I don't even know if I want to say God will redeem it because I, that in itself almost sounds kind of trite. Um, but maybe we just say Jesus knows and, and we're not suffering on our own and we're, we're not alone or forgotten or abandoned in that and we suffer in the hope that one day it will all be made right and uh, we trust that god is with us in the suffering and that in a world that's often filled with brokenness and pain and sorrow our choices are either to suffer on our own alone or to suffer with jesus and with hope in him in the middle of the suffering yeah i so appreciate you sharing your heart and 
something that I think we, I wish we would, we could cover is just um, how you prepare to preach a sermon like this versus yeah. maybe a sermon in, uh, you know, the study of Acts. And so you'll be uh, with us next week, right? So we could, uh, yeah. we could talk a little bit more about that. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for your time, Jeff. Thanks, Claire. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Cut for Time. If you wish to submit questions to our pastors following their sermon, you can email them to podcast at faithliveitout.org or text them into our Faith Church texting number, and we'll do our best to cover it in the week's episode. If this conversation blessed you in any way, we encourage you to share it with others. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week.